by the way. It's pretty nice. Can I have one of those? Thanks, young lady. I appreciate that. Okay, welcome to Inside Out, everybody. It's nice to see you. I think I know everybody in the room. If I've not met you, I'm Dan. It looks like, looking around, I think everybody knows me anyway. Um, so that's good advice tonight, that last song we sang, isn't it? Who's had a stressful week besides me? Anybody? Anybody else? Yeah? So tonight, can we all just agree on this? Let's let it fall away. If it's not of God, let's leave it outside the room for just about the next half hour, 45 minutes, as I share what God's laid on my heart for you guys tonight. Let's just do that, if that's okay, all right? So anyway, we've been going over the last couple weeks, this idea of just do it. And the theme that we're hanging on to is found in, kind of started in John chapter 2, where, where Mary, when, the, when Jesus turned the water into wine, and Mary told his servants, whatever he tells you, do it. That's kind of what we've been working on the last couple of weeks. Water into wine the first week, so whatever he tells you, do it. We're just be obedient, because we watched the servants that week play a part in what Jesus was doing. Last week, we talked about being born again. So you've got watching Jesus do signs and miracles, showing everyone that he is God in flesh. And then the next week, we talked about being born again, where he was talking with Nicodemus about the importance of that no one, you guys remember that? No one will see the kingdom of God without being born again. So if we're going to do what he tells us to do, we got to watch him and we do it because he's God. And that's kind of what I started with with the first week is Jesus is God in flesh. Come from heaven to earth. Incarnate is the, is the theological word we use. Last week we talked about how Jesus tells us very clearly, if you want to make it to heaven, there's only one way to do that. And that is to be born again. Born of flesh we are, but born in the spirit and brought from death to life is what we need to have happen. That's what we talked about last week. So this week, as I was praying, studying, I thought, how do we go about looking at all the commandments that Jesus has given us in Scripture? You can't condense that into a couple-week series. So what I'm doing is I'm taking the big ones out of there. So tonight, we're going to talk about, uh, Dylan, if you'd bring the slide up on the screen, just do it. We're staying with that theme. Whatever he says, do it. He's going to tell us tonight that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we get into that, I want to have you guys turn to your tables so you have an opportunity to kind of open up your small groups. Here's a question I want you to ask or discuss at your table. <clears throat> now think about this. Because we, we think about this as we live our lives, but we never really put it into context. If, you could, if Jesus walked in the room tonight... And you could ask him any question. What question would you ask him? Be honest at your tables. Hard questions, fun questions, whatever's on your heart. Discuss that at your small group table, and then we'll get back to the message in just a moment.
If I can have your attention back to the front of the room, you guys will be able to discuss this in a little bit again. But what I want to do is I want to give the scripture we're going to look at a little bit of context, and then we'll get into the scripture that we're going to look at. So in Matthew, earlier in Matthew chapter 22 that we're going to be looking at tonight, um, the Sadducees were trying to trick Jesus with a question about the resurrection. So what happened in this is the Sadducees, they're, they're a group of people that made up the Sanhedrin. So you got the Sadducees and the Pharisees make it, made up the Sanhedrin. And we talked about that a little bit last week with, with Nicodemus, how the Sanhedrin is like the Jewish Supreme Court. There were 70 people that sat on this, this Sanhedrin court, and that's kind of like their Supreme Court, okay? But the Sadducees, some of them, made, some, the, the Sanhedrin were made up of some of the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, and the Sadducees, Sadducees did not believe in angels. <clears throat> so they were a very unique group of people. They tried to trap Jesus with a question about the resurrection. And Jesus, obviously, he answered it correctly, and they didn't get to trap him. So what you're seeing now is later in chapter 22, verse 34, <clears throat> I'll read the scripture now. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, with, got together okay? And you guys know Nicodemus last week, he's a Pharisee. They were more of the conservative group of, of priests, if you will. <clears throat> they believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels. They believed in um, the eternal life. So they're going to be more of a conservative group, okay? But they were also against Jesus. So hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, one of them an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Can you imagine trying to test Jesus with a question? That's ridiculous to even think about it. That's very, very bold to think about doing that. That's why I asked you guys to talk about that at your table. If you could ask him whatever question, what would it be? So they wanted to test him. They said, this guy said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now Mark, in chapter 12 of Mark, Mark adds strength in there, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Next week, we're going to look at loving your neighbor as yourself. This week, I want to stay with the greatest commandment that there is, and we're going to go through a couple of points. So the first one is, Dylan, if you'd switch that, <clears throat> the question. And it says, hearing this, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? We have to understand something. I want to give you guys a little bit, something to chew on here for a second. Jesus is not afraid. Of, they, he was not afraid of their questions to begin with, and he's not afraid of ours. So if you think you've got a question for Jesus that might be hard, he is not afraid of your questions. But I really believe this. See, these guys had a hidden agenda. So I would ask you this. If you have a question for God, and you want to go to him. I want you guys to get this picture. And I've kind of taught this to you before. The Bible says God is our Abba Father. That word Abba Father literally breaks down in the Hebrew and the Greek as daddy. So he's our dad. He's not just God our Father. He's our dad. And I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have a, a dad that I could go talk to. Okay, I didn't have a dad that I could go sit on his lap or sit in a chair and have a conversation with him. If you've got that, you're very, very fortunate here on earth but even if you don't have it here on earth you have it in heaven and I want you guys to understand tonight it's whether you have a hidden agenda it's what attitude you have when you go to God and ask him questions 
What is your attitude? Because here's the deal, and I've talked to you this before, but I'm going to beat this drum over and over and over again. Questioning God will make you step away from him. It will make you suspicious of him. And these guys were suspicious of Jesus. They didn't like him, and they were trying to trap him. So when, you, when you're questioning God about what he's doing or what's happening around you in the world or what you see, when you're questioning him, you're drifting away from him. I want you guys to get this. If you have questions for God, and you take that question and you go to him, he's not afraid of your questions. Now, we might not like the answer that he gives us, but he's not afraid of your questions. It's all about the attitude in which we do it. These guys were trying to trap Jesus. If I go to God, because I always look at God as my father, if I go to my dad and I smart off when I walk up to him, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get whacked in the back of the head, right? Because I'm not showing him the respect he has, the authority he has. I'm not showing respect to the authority he has by being my father. So don't be afraid to go talk to God, but make sure that you do it with the right attitude, that you're looking for his wisdom and you're looking for guidance from him on what in the world is going on. I don't understand it. Make sense? So make sure that you're watching that when you're talking to God. The Jewish, the Jewish law contains 613 commandments. So this guy goes up to Jesus. The Pharisees have put together 613 commandments. How many did Adam and Eve have in the garden? Do you remember? That's right, Kyle. One. At one, and all of a sudden, man has developed this thing into 613, and a little over half, if you split it kind of right down the middle with a little bit of a lean, some are positive and some are negative. So this guy walks up to Jesus and said, hey, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus does this, and I'll answer this in just a second. He goes back into the Old Testament, but here's what I want you guys to realize. The lesson I see here is we shouldn't focus, I think in Christianity, we focus so much on what we're not supposed to do, we forget about what we get to do. I want that to hang on you for a second. In, Christian, in the Christian walk, we're always teaching you and telling you, don't do this, do that. We're focused too much on the negative and not on the positive. Is the negative real? Absolutely it is. But if I'm constantly focused on what I shouldn't be doing, I never really find a whole lot of positive and victory in it. Tonight, I want to look at what we should be doing, what it says that we can be doing, and that is to love the Lord your God with everything that you are and everything that you have. If you do this, your actions will glorify God. Remember, we've talked about that in this room. If you ever wonder why you're here, what your purpose is, what is your purpose here on earth? I really believe this with all my heart, and I can prove it through Scripture, to bring glory to God. So if you're ever wondering, what's my purpose? I don't know what I'm doing here. Why am I here? I don't get this. It's to bring glory to God, and then you have to ask yourself, is the way I'm living and what I'm doing bringing glory to God? And if it's not, change. Fix it. God will give you the grace like we talked about last week to live the way he calls you to live. We don't do it on our own. We don't do it by trying harder. We're doing it by surrendering more. We get to love God with all our heart. If we realize he's God and we're born again, we get to love him with all of our heart. So here's what Jesus says. The answer, 37 through 40. Go ahead and bring that up. Thank you. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he's taken 613 commandments and he's told these guys, here's the most important. But why does he tell them this commandment? Because if you go all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5, there's a thing called the Shema. It's the only thing that I learned in Hebrew while I was at seminary going to be, to be a pastor. We learned about the Shema. And the Shema is this. It's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is exactly what he quoted out of Deuteronomy 6 to a bunch of Pharisees that knew the Old Testament. So he took this and turned it right around on them again, and they did not like the, question, the answer to the question because they were uncomfortable with it. But we got to realize that that's what he did. <clears throat> this thing called the Shema, it was and is still to this day the most important, probably one of the most important verses to a Jewish person. They recite this every morning and every night. They, re, they recite the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Every day they repeat it twice a day. This is such an important thing to them that it, it's recorded. And you guys know what the Holocaust is, right? Where the Germans would take the Jews and basically herd them like cattle into gas chambers. It is recorded that the Jews... Some of their last words going into the gas chambers were the Shema. So in times of crisis, this is what they would repeat. Think about your life. In times of crisis for you, what do you say? Are you repeating scripture? I would encourage you guys, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, or you can use this tonight. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Father... Son and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. That's what they're saying. They're talking about the Trinity as well. And so if you want to recite a scripture and when things get bad for you, I want you to <clears throat> see if I can get this across real quick. This isn't wasn't this comes to mind. I believe with all my heart what you're seeing in the world today is a spiritual battle. Middle East, coronavirus, you can pick your gender, gay marriage. Um, you're better, and, and hear me right, I'm not picking sides here, you're better off to get a vaccine because your body's and your immunity will be stronger if you get the vaccine because naturally you're not strong enough. What's that fly against? That flies directly against God. Every one of those things fly directly against God as our creator. Every one of these is a spiritual shot at God because <clears throat> even the vaccine saying, and I'm not picking sides, so hear me right, whether you got it or not, that's up to you. The vaccine, your, your, your immune system is going to be stronger than what it is with just your natural response if you get COVID. What's that say? God did it wrong. God didn't do it right. You're not strong enough to do it on your own the way you've been created. Man needs to help you fix it. Right, wrong, I don't care about the vaccine, but listen to what they're saying. So think about this. If we really believe this is a spiritual battle, how should we fight it? Spiritually. Paul says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the principalities of the dark world. So why are we supposed to fight? In prayer. You guys, if you look at the landscape of the land, if you look at the way the world is today, especially as young teenagers trying to figure out what's up and what's down, it's like trying to pick up mercury, trying to find truth in you guys' life right now. I want you to realize this is all spiritual. And if we realize that, we can look at the lay of the land and go, this is horizontal, 
but I believe vertically God's in control and God knows exactly what's going on. But we got to trust him and we'll do that so when you're in a battle and you get lost and you don't know what to do, recite the Shema. When you feel like life is so hard that you're being led into the gas chamber and you're going to die because you don't know what to do, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If you'll do this, you'll find peace. Do you know why? Because the devil hates God's word. And I always picture it like this. I got a very vivid imagination. When I pray and when I recite scripture out loud, it's like drops of acid on Satan's skin, and he hates it. And I hate the devil. Do you? Do you genuinely do what the Bible says? Do you hate what is evil and love what is good? Because you're looking at a guy, and there's several of us in the room. I hate the devil. And anything I can do to get him to leave me alone and go away, I'm going to do. I have no authority over him. But Jesus does. At the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and by the authority of Jesus Christ, I can recite scripture out loud, and I remind the devil, I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm saved. It's all he needs to hear, and he'll have to leave me alone, because the Bible teaches us that. First thing I want to look at in this is love. If you go down to that first one where it says love, let me ask you a question. Is it possible to command someone to love you? Can I command my wife to love me? Because, see, we think love is this emotional thing, right? That just kind of happens in a romantic movie, right? They fall in love. Isn't it wonderful? We don't know how that happened. It's great. It's wonderful. No. According to the Bible, you can be commanded to love because love is an act of the will. Love is a choice. When Jesus died on the cross, he chose to love me. That's agape love. That's selfless love. That's Jesus loving me because he chose to. I love my wife emotionally, yes, but because I choose to. I love her, and I do things for her, and I'm kind to her, and I follow her, and I honor her. So it's not just an emotion. Love, for a Christian, for a Christian living a life of love is this. It's an act of the will. I decide to love God because of what he's done and who he is. That's what I decide as a Christian. Love is the first and greatest commandment, so it should be the one we devote ourselves to most. How devoted are you or how devoted are you to loving the Lord your God with all your heart? Love is a tough one for us as Christians. Love is a tough one as far as just humanity in general goes. But here's what I know. Obedience begins with our affection. In other words, I mean this. When I love someone or something, I'm going to be obedient to it. Think about a boyfriend or girlfriend. When you meet them and you start to fall in love with one another, obedience comes being kind, being faithful, not dating anyone else. Why? Because I'm making decisions to be obedient based on my affection. I want you guys to hear this tonight because this is important stuff. So I'm obedient to someone or something because of my love for them. I'm going to do it that way because I love them because I've made that choice by an act of the will to do that. Simply put, love, again, is an act of the will. In 1 John 5, 3, it says this. In fact, this is love for God. Keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I want you guys to get this. His commandments are not burdensome. Do you know what that means? His commandments are good for you. They're not hard for you because he'll give you the grace to live them out if you let him. So they're not burdensome. They're not hard to do. It's, he'll help you with it. John 14, 
15 says this, if you love me, keep my commands. Whatever he says to do, do it. Why? Because I love him. And because of my affections for him, I'm going to be obedient to him. If you watch this all unfold, this is not hard, but this is truth of what it looks like to love God. Love always leads to action. Love, listen to me. I want you guys to get this because I want this to lean on you a little bit. Love always leads to action. You know how I know that? Because in Romans 5, 8, it says this. For God, God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love by doing something. This is a question on your sheet. How do you demonstrate your love to God? God demonstrated it by sending his son. How do you demonstrate your love for God as you sit in your seat tonight? Total devotion to the Lord is that agape love, the unselfish love. So the message is that at the end of it, it's, it's the totality of an inner person that we're talking about. It's everything I am, everything I want to be. I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And it is this, love God with your emotion, you love God physically, and you love God intellectually. Do you? Do you love God with your emotion? Do you love him physically with what I do? Here's how I demonstrate my love for God out of my obedience for him, and do I demonstrate it intellectually? When I'm lost and I don't know what to do, I think about who God is. I make that choice with my brain. So we're going to go on. I'm going to go through these three, these three, four things. These I'm going to separate, but they're really all one when you look at them. They're really all one thing, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your mind are really all one thing. But I'm going to break them down for you tonight real quick. The heart. This is the control center. This is a control room of your motives, your feelings, your affections, and your desires. The state or the condition of your heart will determine whether you're good or evil. Where's your heart? Where is your heart when it comes to God as you sit in your seat tonight? With all your motives, feelings, affections, and desires, does he have your heart? I'm born again, and I realize that, and I'm going to heaven, but does he have my heart? Think about dating someone at school. All of a sudden, it's love the Lord, your Susie, with all your heart, or love the Lord Jimmy with all your heart. You leave God, and you give everything you've got to someone else. We do this horizontally, but we have trouble doing it vertically because we argue with God, because we don't really understand, how do we do this, Lord? How do I love you with everything I am? You do it with your emotions. With my emotions, I'm going to love God. That looks different for every person. I'm a very emotional person. That probably comes as a shock to you guys. But I am a very emotional person. I was The other day, I'm sitting in my chair, and I just start, I might not be much of a man. I just start crying. And I realize, and Rachel's like, what's wrong? And I said, Rachel, you got to understand, this is my way of worshiping God. Because I'm so overwhelmed by who he is and what he's done in my life that I just sit there at times and it hits me and I'm just like, man, and for my wife, she's different. She doesn't respond that way. She responds in her heart and she loves God, but her response is different emotionally. Don't try to look at someone's response. Let God search your heart. Here's what I know with your heart. With your heart, a person believes. Roman 10.10 says this, for it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and then you are saved. So you believe with your heart. A fool can deny in his heart that there is no God. Psalm 14, 1 says this. A fool will deny in his heart 
and say there is no God. That's a fool. That's according to Scripture. With a heart, a person chooses to love. That Mark 12, 30, it's the same thing as we're reading tonight. And, and with your heart, that is where Christ dwells. Ephesians three seventeen says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. <clears throat> your heart makes a lot of difference in your life, folks. You're emotional, but remember, it's all kind of one thing. But if you pull this thing out called your heart, that's what it looks like. I want to share this with you guys. Who has a tape measure at home? Raise your hand. You got a tape measure at home? Okay, here's what I want you to get. I had a conversation with a student one time, and I said this to them. They're fighting with this idea. They're like, I know God. I read the Bible, and I pray, but they weren't saved yet, and it was their own confession. They had not given their life to Christ yet. And I told them this. I said, you're 18, you're 18 inches away from being a Christian. Go home tonight, pull out your tape measure, put 18 inches on there, and sit it on your dresser. And let that wear on you. Because years ago when I was in martial arts, I remember walking down into the studio one day, and it said, you're 18 inches away from being a champion. See, I had it here. I loved martial arts here, but it wasn't here yet. That's about 18 inches. Intellectually, I'll talk about that in a moment. Intellectually, you're going to understand the Bible, you're going to know, you're going to know truth. Sometimes it's so hard for people that know truth to give their lives to Christ, to give their heart to Jesus, because they're so caught up intellectually, they don't make that transition. So you're here, 18 inches away from being a God-fearing Christian. Make sense to you guys? So leave that tape measure on your, on your dresser, and when you're really all in, and you know that you're all in for God, you take that tape measure and you close it up, and you put it back where it belongs. But until then, you leave it out. And when your mom and dad come down to the bedroom and they go, what's that for? Tell them. Say, I'm working on being a heart-filled Christian. 18 inches away is all you are. The next one is your soul. This is a short one. This is the person. This is the individual. It's who I am. Soul and spirit are mixed up together usually. But your soul is who I am. Your spirit needs to be brought from death to life like we talked about last week. This is in your soul is where a person chooses to love God with your whole life. Everything I do, everything I am is all about him. I've, it, Galatians 2.20, I've died to myself. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I live out this life and to the glory of Christ Jesus my God. That's what it's like to be this way. A person who's ready to give up their life for the sake of God. Here's Matthew 16.25 says this. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake finds life, and they find it abundantly. That's what we're talking about when we look at your soul. A person who's willing to endure hardships and to be deprived of all kinds of comforts. <clears throat> this is the Apostle Paul. Rather than dishonor God, I'd rather go through hell on earth than dishonor God. Are you there? That's your soul. That's what we're talking about. In Revelations 12, 11, it says this, the martyrs, those that were killed for their faith, in Revelation 12, 11, it says this, they overcame, they overcame through the blood of the Lamb, and they loved not their lives unto death. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, they were saved, and they loved their life not unto death. So they were martyred for the faith. <clears throat> I don't want to say it wrong, and I don't want this to be light, but I think sometimes... Hear, me, hear my heart right, because i got to be real careful with this statement. To be martyred with one moment is a lot easier than living a life for Christ forever until you pass away. I don't think it's easier, but I think we have trouble living a life of obedience 
rather than giving our life in a moment. Think about this. If somebody came into your school, like with Columbine years ago, and they held a gun to your head and they said, are you a Christian? What would you say? Your life weighs in the balance. This happened to students in Colorado a long time ago. There was literally kids that went into a school and they held a gun at their head and said, are you a Christian? And if they said yes, they shot them. What would you say? See, I believe if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, you can't say no. You would have to say yes. But tomorrow when the temptation comes and hard decisions come, what are you going to say, yes or no? Yes, I'm going to live a life of obedience immediately. When God lays something on my heart, I'm going to be immediately obedient to him. It's the same thing, you guys, because each time we make a decision, it's a life or death decision. Because Jesus says, if you deny me before people, I will deny you before the Father. Get this, please. If you're in sin, it's like denying Jesus. If you deny me before people, I will deny you before the Father, he says. We can't get in the pattern and a habit of life denying Christ by the way we live. That's back to that. How do you de demonstrate your love for him? It's important stuff. The last thing, or the third thing is mine. In a general sense, this is your intellect. The part that a person is able to think and to know things and to act. God says this in Isaiah 118. Come, let us reason together, he says. This is the viewpoint. that we, This viewpoint, this is a person. Watch. This is a person who can live out Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm no, I'm, I'm no longer being conformed by the patterns of the world because I think differently. I have the mind of Christ. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I don't want to be conformed by the patterns of the world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's a person. That's having the mind of Christ. That's your intellect. God wants to reason with you. A.W. Tozer says it this way. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing to us. So when you think about God, what you think about him is the most important thing you're going to deal with. That's what A.W. Tozer says. And then the last thing is strength. This is found in Mark chapter, or chapter 12, verse 30. Strength is this. The love, they love God with all their strength. They exert all their power of their body and their soul to the service of God, to the service of God and to his glory. Are you taking all of your physical strength and living out your life for God's glory? You do these things, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Because, and we do this because he first loved us. Turn to your groups and discuss some of the questions at your table and be honest with each other tonight. Especially the idea of how do you demonstrate your love for God. And then we'll come back up in just a few minutes and wrap it up. I can have your attention back to the front of the room. We'll wrap this thing up and get you guys out here and get you home for your homework. Bring up that last slide for me, Dylan. <clears throat> it's pretty simple. To love God and worship and serve him is the highest privilege we can have. <clears throat> back to the beginning of the message. This is something we get to do, you guys. It's like, let me, let me share it this way. I can sit down in the morning and think, ah, I have to read my Bible again. Or I can sit down in the morning and go, I get to read my Bible again. See the difference? <clears throat> I have to love God with all my heart. Or I can sit down and go, I get to love God with all my heart because he's the one that enables me to do it. Does that make sense? Back up to that slide real quick, Dylan. If you can. So here's a question. We should hold nothing back. Why? Because God held nothing back. He held nothing back from us. See, God went first in this 
part of the conversation in this relationship. God went first. God sent his son, and then God called you, just like he did Adam in the garden. He calls you, and we respond to that call one way or the other, negatively or positively. So why should we hold anything back? We should hold nothing back, because the one we serve and the one we love held nothing back himself. So I'm going to read you a scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is one of my prayers every morning that I pray. This is a very good scripture I would encourage you guys to memorize, and then we'll close in pray, prayer. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is now going because of all the great mercies, because of all what God's done for us, because of his great grace, therefore, tonight I'm going to lay the, whenever there's a therefore there, there's something there for a reason. Tonight I want to give this to you guys because we know he's God and we know we're born again. And because of all of his great mercies and everything he does, we should love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So therefore, here's what you do with it. This is how you live this life out. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is a true and proper worship. Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do I do this? How do I love God with all my heart? You offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Life is no longer about you. It's all about him. We get to love God this way, and he's the one through the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable me to live this life out. So, knowing this, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How are you demonstrating your love for God? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, you're good. And Lord, I am grateful for your word and the truth that still resonates so critically important to us today and is so relevant yet today. So I pray for everyone in this room tonight, including myself, because of what you've done for us. Because when we look at you sent your one and only son, the good news of the gospel, you went first in this, Lord. You sent him for us, and we believe we will have eternal life. So because of all the things that you've done for us, and you sent us your word, you sent the Bible, help us to offer ourselves to you now as living sacrifices, that, you will, that, you may, that we may allow you to enable us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We'll do that by your grace to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Remember, tomorrow, Thunder Basin High School, FCA during lunch. Hope to see you there. Have a great night, everybody.